Welcome to Bossy Pants and the Nerd. We're Mel and Kevin, and we're going to chat with you about our passions, what we've learned, and what we love. Also, we're married to each other, and you get to listen to us talk. You are welcome. Can you tell me some of the ways that you have been discipled? Some of the resources, some of the people, some of the, like, how have you become the person that you are? And I want to specifically ask in terms of Christian discipleship. Okay. Well, Eugene Peterson is the bomb.com. If you haven't read everything he's ever written, you have work to do. (laughs) Um, Specifically when it comes to like Christian discipleship and leadership in a church setting. Mm -hmm. Um, His memoir, The Pastor, was legit. Um, What did you pull out of that? Because we both read it, and I'm sure we pulled out different things. It is things. the antithesis of everything that Nelson Searcy is. Ooh, we're dropping names left I and right. I am dropping names, because Joel Osteen deserves it, and in my opinion, so does Nelson Searcy. I'm still getting emails from that guy telling me to buy his books, and it's irritating. Um, <laughs> so, like, okay, so when I say the antithesis of Nelson Searcy, if you have been blessed enough, you have not read this man's books. I haven't. I've just heard you talk about that. I know, right? <laughs> I've done a good job keeping you away from that. You know, I'm all in favor of investigating new ideas. But once you realize they're crap, you, you can throw them out. It's fine. Um, I'm not mincing words, am I? Um, okay, so when it comes to Nelson Searcy, he believes that systems can run the church, mm-hmm. right? And that goes to what I was saying before, where like discipleship, we built the systems of discipleship that help people be discipled. Mm-hmm. And then we forgot the systems weren't the point. Right. So we were just like checking boxes. And so now he literally has checklists, like 20, 30 item checklists in all of his books. Mm -hmm. It's legitimately nuts. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's terrible. So Eugene Peterson is the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Eugene Peterson is the guy who's like, hey, the Bible says I should take a Sabbath day every day and that it should be a time of every week. Sorry, every week. (laughs) And so I should take like a day of prayer and rest. Pray and So you know what I'm going to do? Every day, I'm going to go on a really, really friggin' long walk with my wife on my Sabbath day. Every week. Every week. Well, every Sabbath day is what I meant. Okay. So every Sabbath day, he goes on a really, really long walk with his wife. And they kind of talk, and they maybe don't talk. And they they just kind of, like, be together and kind of, like, flush everything else that was going on that week. Mm-hmm. Right? And then they get done, and, like, he's going to, like, read a book or go play or sit in the garden or, like, find some, like, restorative restful thing to do Mm -hmm. and the fact that everybody like the popular thing to talk about in pastoral circles now is like self-care right and they have like systems for self-care and then eugene peterson is like i'm just gonna go on a long walk and then hang out in my garden and pull some weeds because like then i get to take a shower afterward and that shower feels awesome like that's you talking not eugene it's both (laughs) like that's also what he like yeah you know what i mean like and so talking and seeing somebody who is willing to write a book that was just like, hey, if you're not in a good place and you're super stressed out, what makes you think you can lead anyone into the peace of God? Mm-hmm. Like that, that changed the way I thought about church leadership completely. Mm. Like I never, like, okay, if you're a member of my church, I'm sorry. I kind of hate have being feeling like I'm forced into taking care of people pastorally. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like if somebody like comes up and is like, well, Pastor Kevin, you really ought to check up on this person. I kind of hate that conversation and I hate the feeling of obligation you just handed me. Because side note, that is one of like a hundred expressions of what it means to be a pastor. And, and I would argue it's not even what it means to be a pastor. That's what it means to, to be, be a, a good person a human and being. a decent Christian yeah. and a human being. You should have people in your life that you're taking care of. Yeah, you should take care of other people, <laughs> yeah. period, full stop. I don't even care if you're not a Christian. So wait, it shouldn't just be the pastor's job. It, it should be everybody's job to take care of everybody. Yeah. So if you're going to come to me and say, hey, I haven't done this thing that is a common, decent human responsibility, what you're actually telling me is, hey, I'm not a really great person and I don't actually want to take care of this person myself, but I just want to hand you a bag of guilt and make you go do it. And by the way, I'm paying your salary. And by the way, I'm paying <laughs> your salary with my tithe. Yeah. Like, that's just a whole bundle of, oh, heck no. Yeah. And I had stronger words, but this is a child-friendly podcast, I guess. Um <laughs> <laughs> who am I kidding? This is my conservative Christian friends friendly podcast. I want you to look, keep this listening. This is your wife's podcast and I don't want you to swear. It's That's all over the place. fine. So, I mean, what I'm looking at really though is like, I, I want, I realize that the systems we built up around Christianity, the systems we built up around discipleship, the systems we built on like, you got to read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Like, <laughs> The messages that have been pounded into our heads as little good Sunday school children mm -hmm. are not the point. Mm. So they might be good tools, but they're not the point. Yeah, it's like walking into a garage and like somebody hands you a book and then takes you into the garage mm -hmm. and goes, you see all these tools? These are great tools. You need to understand all of these tools and then you'll be able to read the book. And the book is How to Make Bread. <laughs> like, you've just been handed a bunch of tools that don't actually do what you're trying to do. Hmm. But you've been told that all the tools are essential. And so you're trying to figure out how to use a screwdriver to make a loaf of bread. Okay. Like, I mean, you, you can stir the bowl with a <laughs> screwdriver if you really want to. You just got to clean the screwdriver first. But, like, you just that's so you, what church is like right now. And you wanted, when people started telling you what you should do, what is that? I rebel against that. That's okay. awful. Like what, what is, how, how has Eugene Peterson or other leaders or friends formed the way that you believe you should be a pastor? Yeah. Well, like there's another book, Leafs in the Notebook of a Tame Cynic, hmm. right? Which is like this dude just keeping a journal basically about how he feels about ministry. And there's one particular thread that comes up through the book for a while where he's trying to teach this like middle school, like 14, 15 year old boys Sunday school class. And like, he is getting nowhere. <laughs> As you would expect. In right? Like these kids don't listen. They talk over each other. He yells at them at one point and feels super bad about it and writes <laughs> in it about his journal. Like he is getting nowhere. And then like, you skip forward like 10 years in the book and like one of those kids comes back and he's like, you know, I realized this kid was in that Sunday school class. Mm. I wonder if he actually remembers anything I taught him. Mm-hmm. And like, and it never like references that again. Like you, you don't get closure. Like he doesn't go ask the kid huh. or the guy at that point, you know, like, and it's just this realization that, oh, someday all this really stressful thing I've got to do as a pastor, someday all this stressful stuff I'm trying to do as a Christian, someday like me struggling, like, oh man, I only read like three verses on that of the Bible and that email that I opened this morning. I am a terrible pastor. Mm -hmm. I have to spend like five hours in prayer every day. Like John Wesley did, you know, like I, I have all this, these burdens I put on myself that I think are the point. And like the realization that none of them are mm -hmm. 
freed me up to actually ask God, like, okay, so who are you again? What What is it that you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you want me to pray for five hours a day? Mm-hmm. And thankfully the answer back was no. Because <laughs> I'm bad at that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can be quiet for a bit, but like I am at my best when I am listening and regurgitating information and helping people process stuff Mm -hmm. like that's what i'm good at well good thing you married me because you're always listening and helping me process stuff you're a verbal (laughs) processor and that's okay um but yeah so like realizing that everyone is going to relate to god in a different way even if god is the same Hmm. for everyone like it's like i talk to junia and kirsten differently than i talk to you Mm mm-hmm it doesn't mean I'm a different person. It doesn't mean I'm being deceitful. Mm-hmm. It means I'm relating to them in a way that makes sense to them. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so God does that for each of us. Like what was really formative and oh my gosh, it totally changed my life mm-hmm. for someone else. I look at it and I'm like, wow, that just sounds like a waste of a Saturday. <laughs> like I would rather do anything but that. Mm-hmm. That sounds terrible, you know? And like if anyone else had a giant 600 page history book sitting on their desk right now that is actually sitting here, I'm looking at it. Or, you know, like all of these other books that are about like the history of science and what the, the metaphysics of science is by Carl Sagan. Like all of these other books that help me understand who God is because all pursuit of truth leads to God. Hmm. That's not the way someone else is going to get to God. Right. Someone else is going to need to talk to their Sunday school teacher and their Sunday school teacher is just going to need to say, hey, God loves you. And that's just going to be like a life defining moment for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had Sunday school teachers who told me that, but I just didn't believe it because I felt so restricted by the structures of church that it wasn't until I was willing to throw them all in the trash that I actually was able to see God. Hmm. Can you name some of those structures? Like going to church five times a week. Hmm. Like I do not. Okay. Mom and dad, if you're listening, I do not blame my parents at all for doing that. Mm -hmm. I learned a ton doing that, Mm -hmm. but I felt like I had to. Yeah. You know, because, like, if I ever was, like, just tired from a long day of school on a Wednesday night, and I'm like, Mom, Dad, I just, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I just need to, option. like, I just need to, like, sit home and read for a bit. It's like, I just need to detox. I don't want to be around people because I'm also a huge freaking introvert. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if I ever said that, like, no, you got to go. And I'm like, okay. You know, and part of it was just me being a lazy kid, and it's good that they forced me to go. Mm-hmm. But they, like, the message that was missing was that, my spiritual life did not depend on following the rules. The rules were there to enhance my spiritual life. And mm. Jesus says something very, very similar mm. multiple times throughout the Gospels. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is just like, look, you know, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, mm-hmm. like, guys, don't get all militant about what you do or don't do on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, or like, hey, we're walking through a field on Sunday and my, my disciples got hungry. So they picked a couple of heads of grain and gnawed on them for a bit. Like, that isn't breaking the Sabbath. They're eating. They're hungry. Yeah. If you've got a dog that falls into a well, you pull it out on Sunday. You don't make it sit until Monday morning. Like, that's just not how this works. And the rules were created for us, not us for the rules. Mm-hmm. And I think from my perspective as now I'm a pastor and I care more about people's motivations than I do about their actions. Um, and obviously I can't know that for everyone, but I... You, you can discern if people are there for the right reasons or not in the way that they talk to you and to mm-hmm. one another and to other people outside of their 
church experience. Yeah, and sometimes they make it really easy on you, and they shake your hand and try and say white power on the way out of the church. You're yeah. like, oh, you are not here for the right reasons. Or they, they treat You're you super like racist. they're a stakeholder <laughs> and, and get to decide how you run your business. Oh, that hey, is yo, the church. I know the church has some cash right now, but God forbid you give some of it away. Mm-hmm. You need to take care of us first. Mm-hmm. Like, well, actually, Jesus disagrees with you, and that makes me right. Yeah, and then there's people who are like, ah, wow, that that's really challenging. I want to live differently, and they actually are showing up week after week, even though they're tired, too. Like, I get tired, too. I don't always want to go to church, and I'm a pastor. Wait, whoa, hold on. Sometimes I don't want to do church. I didn't think we were being that real on this podcast. But I can be real about that. <laughs> like, I understand that, and there is a self-discipline a component of showing up even when you don't want to, brushing your teeth mm-hmm. even if you don't want to. Sure. But there's the motivation that I'm doing this because I want to live differently. I want to open mm-hmm. open my, my mind and my spirit to an, a, a, a better way of living, a way that I don't fully understand right now. Right. You have a reason for doing it beyond, well, that's the rule. I want to be changed. Right. And that is like that's the right reason. The to motivation do it. of discipleship. That is of the, the right true reason disciple. to do it. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So, something I was going to say in the last episode was that we uh, just trying to figure out what it means to be a church. And first of all, does Jesus like upon this rock I will build my church? Like, is that the only time Jesus says church when he talks to Peter? Yeah, about I'm not being even sure rock? he says ecclesia or not. Right. Like, I'd have to look it up. I don't know. Like, the, the apostles, like, Paul and others end up writing up to house churches in mm-hmm. various regions. But, like, what the heck are we doing thinking that a church is the whole point? Like, we are, we have missed the point. And... It's the rule that used to help, and now we've made the rule the thing. And I think if if we want to be a church, it's not about anything that we've made it about. Anything that you think of in terms of church, it probably isn't about that. What I'm thinking it's about is formation, which I might, I would say formation is learning about God and how, and learning God's love for us mm-hmm. and community be, uh, f- being formed by love of other people, like expressing God's love to one another, experiencing God's love in community. I don't like that definition, but keep going. And then mission, actually taking what we're learning about God and how we're experiencing God's love with one another and bringing that love to other people, like actually living it out. Yeah. I mean, the kingdom of God on earth. Yeah. And, and all three of those components go in and out of one another all the time. Like, and I don't know if discipleship fits into one of those three or if it is overarching or arcing. (laughs) I think discipleship is way more broad than any of those. Okay. Um, but we talked about that for like half an hour. Right. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about any of those? I would like to know. Like, Not without serious rabbit trails. That's okay. Well, like, okay. you <laughs> Is this podcast Discipleship Part 2 or is it the church? It's the church now. It's the church now? Okay. So we'll, we we'll segued. call this one the church. We segued. Um, so if you're talking about community, like the only purpose of having community is for opportunities to live what you believe, mm-hmm. which is like love your neighbor. I think it's a physical embodiment of God's love. Well, comma. Okay. Like, comma. Okay. Like, that's one reason. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Um, I think there are things that we are told to do as the church by Jesus when we gather together that are essential. Such as? 
like communion being the biggest one, mm-hmm. um, praying for one another, making sure everyone's got food, mm-hmm. you know, like taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. But I think communion is like the one absolute essential every single church should do every week. Mm-hmm. Again, I just lost all of our conservative Christian friends, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so the community also just like buried in the idea of community and the thing that everyone means when they say community but no one ever actually says Mm -hmm. even though i think it's more accurate than saying community as if it's a general thing Mm -hmm. is you need people yeah if you're going to be exposed regularly to new information Mm -hmm. like you can do it by just sitting in a room and reading but I think that most Christian traditions have shown very, very effectively that they can sit in a room and read the same book and get drastically different ideas of what it should be. Yeah. So if you really want to be exposed to new ideas about life and God and the way the world works, then you need other people around you mm-hmm. or at least the writings of other people or other people's ideas. Mm-hmm. And so the community at its core is... The opportunity to serve other people, the opportunity to potentially learn from other people, mm-hmm. and the potential to be subordinate yeah, and put yourself under the authority of other people. I would add that it's also about enjoying one another and having, uh, having relationship with one another, making space for one another, showing hospitality to one another. Like, it, there is... Yeah, you just like gave super three super broad categories. Yeah, I know. Like you like you love throwing entire forests in one into one sentence together and pretending like that somehow narrows it. And what you did is just blew it wide open. Because I feel like you narrow things so much that it doesn't encompass everything that I think it, it should it's encompass. It's because I want to say something that actually has a specific meaning and is true. Yeah. Cuz like if you say ideas, so, like you're by by not defining what does community mean? Mm-hmm. What does hospitality mean? Like people have very different ideas of what hospitality is. Yeah. So when you say, well, it's about hospitality, nobody knows if you're right or not and mm-hmm. you're not going to change anyone's mind because they're going to assume you mean by hospitality what they think hospitality means. Sure. Right? And so you need to be more specific if your goal is to to give new information. Because otherwise people just assume you said what they think already. Yeah, and even, I mean, the term community, it could, of course it can mean a million different things. Like, right. Which is why it, it gave like those three Essentially it means like a shared was. experience, like the community park or the community... Uh, well, I think the community, community park is ownership, not experience. Monroe or the community of uh, this neighborhood, like this neighborhood community. Like, you could use that in a million different ways, but mm-hmm. people can still live in isolation from one another. Mm-hmm. I think community is intentionally living... In relationship with other people. Yeah, but now relationship is another nebulous Well, word. and I was going to say in community with other people, but I'm, then I'm using the definition. Right, and that's kind of what I'm pointing them. out. Yeah. Because what you're trying to get at is what I said to begin with. Oh, all right. Right? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> to intentionally be exposed to other people's ideas and learn potentially learn from them. To be willing to be subordinate to other people. And to take the opportunity to serve other people. Because mm-hmm. serving other people wherever you find yourself is hospitality. Mm-hmm. Learning from other people is, you know, being discipled or spending time together mm-hmm. or getting to know people mm-hmm. and being subordinate to other people. Can um, you imagine? That's what makes a community not contentious. Yeah. Because right now our society sucks because everybody wants to be in charge of whatever room they walk into. And so a part of a harmonious community is that nobody, like as soon as you, end, as soon as you throw two people into a room, 
even if there are 40 people in there, mm -hmm. there are two people in the room that need to be in charge. Mm -hmm. It's contentious. Now it's contentious. Mm -hmm. And now you've, you've broken the, the community of that room in some foundational way. Whereas the because way of... if you walk in and everyone is willing to be subordinate to others mm -hmm. and they can all kind of take turns saying, hey, I think this or hey, I think this. And everyone's willing to learn mm -hmm. from each other and be subordinate to one another and to serve one another. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if everyone in any room on the planet were willing to do that? Mm -hmm. No matter how many people you've got. Even strong leaders, strong-willed people. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. there's a reason that, you know, like I would consider myself a very strong-willed leader. Like mm -hmm. I have very strong ideas about what's right and wrong mm -hmm. and what needs to be done. As do I. But when we get to the point, like, I am willing to wait for other people. Mm -hmm. I don't walk in and go, well, you're all doing it wrong, so we're going to do it my way next week. Mm -hmm. Like, it's been, we've been here six years, and it's still not exactly what we want it to be. Mm -hmm. We're trying to move slowly and kind of bring people along because that's what community looks like. Mm -hmm. Even though we are in charge, mm -hmm. somebody else put us in charge of this church. Yeah. Our authority doesn't come from the group. We have authority that comes from outside the group. We have the authority to change whatever we want, basically. Mm -hmm. But yet it is better to do it in a way that is servanthood and leadership at the same time. Yeah. That makes sense. And I, I think for me, I, th I mean, if discipleship is the overarching thing <laughs> and mm. community is a part of that. I, I, well, they overlap. They I don't overlap. think one okay. is under the other. From, They're just both things. Originally, in a, in a conversation that we had off the microphone, I was talking about like breathing the same air, like spending a lot of time with a gathering of people like that's where discipleship really happens o over the dinner table and when you've offended someone because you weren't thinking before you spoke and when you're disciplining right. your children like all of those things are are proving to someone whether or not you really believe and are living out what you say you believe mm -hmm. and that is a component of discipleship it's not right. necessarily like it's not saying that discipleship can't happen in a five minute conversation on the phone but I, for me, like I have, I am formed, I think it's important, maybe not absolutely essential, but I want to say that it is, that you have a small, like you can't have real community with 150 people or a thousand people. Like there, there can be a dynamic there, a communal dynamic, and you can do things where you're communing together with Christ and there's all sorts of ways to do that. But I think a formational community is about loving one another spending time on a regular basis that just that you begin to uh expose uh, uncover one another's truest personality <laughs> like all the good and bad of that and like and it's kind of like the marriage dynamic like seeing what the person can become and calling that out without being cruel or yeah. uh demanding or manipulative of them what? And I think that smaller group you're talking about is just being friends. Yeah. You can't be friends with Christians 100... don't know how to be friends. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can't be friends with 100 people simultaneously. You are right. 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 You can be in a community. Yeah. With right. 100 people simultaneously. You're right. So when you hear Christian people start talking about community as if it's like super intimate, what they really mean is y'all suck at being friends. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go make some friends? Mm -hmm. And okay. being a friend means don't be a jerk. Yeah. Don't cut them. Like, don't tell them they're wrong. Don't fight with them. Don't like be willing to serve your friend. Mm -hmm. Be willing to listen and learn from your friend. Mm -hmm. Be willing to sometimes put your friend in authority over you and let them be in charge of the board game you're playing. <laughs> and uh, do you think that community 
I'm, I'm thinking it, it requires some sort of shared identity, mm-hmm. but also not an exclusivity, exclusivity kind of like excluding people. But like, how, yeah. do, how does the Christian dynamic keep from becoming like, how does a church keep from becoming like an exclusive thing? All right. Well, the Reverend Dr. Laura Hunt mm-hmm. <laughs> wrote the book that is maybe most informed the way I talk about this. Hmm. So looking at you, Laura, well done. Um, the whole idea of in-group and out-group, which is not something she invented, but mm-hmm. it's her book that put it in the clearest terms for me. The Not Very Persecuted Church? The Not Very Persecuted Church. Mm-hmm. You should all go buy a copy. Um, it was on Amazon last I checked. But anyway, um, it was talking about the way we control, like define community by both what we have in common, mm-hmm. but also by what we aren't. Mm-hmm. And defining ourselves by what we aren't is kind of inevitable. Mm-hmm. And so saying, well, you aren't a part of this community is also by extension inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have a community like the city of Monroe. If you move into Monroe, you're a part of the community. Mm-hmm. At least in that don't sense. Live in Monroe aren't people who don't live really in Monroe, you know, you live in Ann Arbor. You can't be from Monroe. Yeah. You know, like it, it's just inevitable. Mm-hmm. You can make your community pretty big. Mm-hmm. You can't make it infinitely big. Yeah. Right. At some point, like the human community. Well, yeah, like, well, but aliens can, might be a thing. So like. But Monroe can still welcome new people into Right. Monroe. But what you, what you said was that you didn't like saying, putting boundaries on it. Mm-hmm. And like, you have to. Otherwise, you don't actually have a So community. that's okay. As long as you're still right. and, open and welcome right. to the stranger and to invite them to become your friend and right. for you to become their friend. And so now we could have a whole podcast about immigration and why anti-immigration policies are unchristian. But that's maybe something else. Well, maybe we just say... I just lost the rest of our conservative Christian friends. We have one listener. I know, right? Um, I'm not sure who that person is. But. We have one? I didn't think we had one yet. I haven't published Maybe I'll listen. Maybe. So... But you notice, though, that whether we're talking about the small group of friends that you mentioned or the wider community, Mm -hmm. I gave you the same three criteria for how to be a good member of that community or be a good friend. Yeah. Mutual submission or what you... Being willing... No, not mutual submission. I said straight up being willing to submit to someone else. Okay. Because if you're not willing to do that, you can't mutually submit. Mm -hmm. But if everyone is doing that, that is mutually submit. But you Mm -hmm. can't control them. You can only control you. Right. So you so do you it need, anyways. Yes. Yeah. You need to be willing to submit. You don't wait until the other person submits. You need to be willing to listen and learn. Yeah. And you need to be willing to serve. Yeah. Because submitting and serving are two different things. Mm-hmm. You can serve and then still demand to be in charge. Yeah. So if you can do those three things well, you're a good member of whatever community you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. You're also, that will, those three things, same things will make you a good friend as well. Mm-hmm. And so what we're saying is that a lot of discipleship happens through friendship mm-hmm. a lot of discipleship happens through healthy community mm-hmm. a lot of discipleship happens through writing in such a way that you're actually for something instead of just being a jerk and being against everything mm-hmm. like finding ways of being submissive about still saying but here's something worth hearing you mm-hmm. all should listen to this mm-hmm. you know and it, it's it's a balance but the balance is much more peaceful and kind and compassionate than the christian church has managed to be Ever since we started authorizing slavery. Right. Like we had 400 years of being total butt munches. And thousands of years of like burning people yeah, to stake. I'm just talking about the like, American church. Like yeah. Since the American church was inaugurated in, a, like in our country. Yeah. We got 401 years worth of like being totally chill with slavery. Yeah. We are terrible friends. We are terrible at community. Mm-hmm. We are terrible at being subservient mm-hmm. and finding ways of serving our neighbor and learning from them. Mm-hmm. It is built into our DNA by this point that we are bad at those things. Mm-hmm. And that's why nobody trusts us. Yeah. And so if you want to be a good church, 
Be a church that is willing to be in submission to other authority. Mm-hmm. Be a church that is willing to be servants and serve your community, serve your neighbors. And be a church that is willing to listen to people who are even outside your church because you might learn something. <laughs> if you're not willing to do those three things, please close your doors now. You're doing nobody any favors. Hmm. So go and be friends. Go and be friends. Don't <laughs> suck at life. <laughs>